These 15 actions aren't just directed at those we find it easy to love, but to everyone, to all men. But if you remember, there was a first step. Turn back with me to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, Matthew 22, there's a first step in showing this love toward others as God commands. Um, Matthew 22 Verse 37 says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Um, so, you know, we talked last week. When you don't love God, as the first commandment, when you don't love God, it's impossible to love men. You know, if we don't fall in love with Jesus, we're going to have a hatred in our heart towards mankind. Uh, So let's take a look at the 15 verbs that Paul lays out back in 1 Corinthians 13. And like I said, 10 minutes apiece, I should have you out of here by 9. But let's take a look at those 15 words and the work we have to do to love mankind as, as God commands. So, um, charity suffereth long. Love is long-suffering. So, throughout this letter to the church in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, we learn some things about, about the church. Uh, one of the things Paul hits on in 1 Corinthians is um, back in chapter 6. Um, back in chapter 6, Paul says, uh, in verse 1, says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, you are ye unworthy to judge the small matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgment of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. Um. The church was, was uh, very quick to settle things in a courtroom, in a courtroom, a pagan courtroom, not, not within the church. If, if they had a case against another, another brother uh, in, in the church, they were quick to go, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to sue you, I'm going to, you know, and, and they'd take him to court. Proper love or, or the love that, that God commands in, 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 in uh outlines in in chapter 13, has the opposite approach, though. Showing love as as God commands, it says, hold on a minute. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. You know, the word for suffereth long that we see in chapter 13, it's a Greek word that actually describes a person who uh, has the power to demolish an enemy, but out of love, he chooses not to. You know, it's, it's tempting for us to listen to the flesh and just hammer the person that did us wrong, you know, take them to court and, and get everything we can. But a loving attitude, a, 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 someone who loves mankind right, slows things down. It's that more excellent way uh, Paul describes in, in verse 31. Um, next we see, charity suffereth long and is kind. So love is kind. Um, you know, when I when I think of kindness, my mom my mom really comes to mind. She was she was the epitome of kindness. Um, you know, if we were having people over, um, 
she would go hungry before uh, to make sure everyone else had enough food to eat. Um, she'd drop everything to help, you know, someone from the church, uh, well, anyone for that matter. Uh, she would go out of her way to make sure everyone felt included and make sure that they felt loved. She would invite friends, family, extended family, friends. Um, everybody uh, was welcome, and she made sure that everyone felt welcome. Well, in this verse, Paul encourages this type of kindness. The word in the Greek literally meant to be useful. You know, it made me think, are we useful? Do we show love through our kindness? You know, what needs can, can we, do we see that can be met? Um, who can we extend a friendship to? You know, I talked about the weird guy at church, this guy right here. Um, you know, are, are we sympathetic when somebody hurts? Does our heart kind of go out to people when they hurt? Um, when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, <laughs> a sophomore, junior, um, anyway, we went to uh, my dad's company picnic. At this company picnic, they had one of these big, giant Velcro walls, you know, the kind where you get back there and you run and then you hit the trampoline and you stick to the wall and then they come peel you off the wall. So I'm excited to try this thing. I run, I hit the trampoline, my body goes to the wall, my foot stayed. Um, it got caught between the springs on the trampoline. I get off that thing and I can't walk. I'm, I tell my dad, my, man, my foot is killing me. It really hurts. They, my mom and dad, to an extent, kind of just said, oh, you're fine. Walk it off. Walk it off. We went through the whole company picnic. You're fine. Walk it off. Not a big deal. You'll be fine. After that, we uh, had left to go to a church camp five hours away. So here I am in the back of an extended cab Chevy, not like the four-door Chevy, but an extended cab. You know, I've got my, my one knee up about mid-chest trying to get it on the seat to, to um, you know, there's more room in an airline, you know, in an airplane than there is in the back of a Chevy Silverado. Just side note. Um, I'm, I'm in pain. My, you know, I'm, I'm complaining. My dad keeps saying, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. By the time we get to the campground, it's dark. It's, uh, you know, late. I can't walk. My ankle's probably about the size of a basketball. Finally, um, <laughs> I think my dad kind of got hot, tired of me whining uh, and complaining and decided, okay, fine, let's go to the ER, get it checked out. Keep in mind, we're at a campground. The ER in the town where we are probably was about the size of the foyer. Um, there's one room. About four hours, an x-ray later, they found a couple fractures in my foot. Um, you know, my dad, I love my dad, um, and, and he's probably going to listen to this, but, uh, you know, in that time, it wasn't necessarily demonstrating kindness. Proper love would have had sympathy towards my, my plight and my, my repeated pains and concerns. But, you know, how often do we and, and me uh, belittle others' concerns because they're not, we don't deem them personally, deem them important or big enough? You know, how often do we discount what others' trials are 
because we're not going through those trials. You know, Paul, uh, Paul, you know, encourages us, you got to be kind. Um, he takes it a step further in Ephesians. Turn with me to Ephesians um, uh, the other way. Um, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, um, and you'll see Paul takes this actually a step further. And in verse 32, uh, Ephesians 4.32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So, you know, Paul is not only saying in 1 Corinthians that we have to be kind to others, and in, and in Ephesians, just as our Father in heaven is, we not only need to show that kindness, but we need to forgive others for, you know, what they've, they've the wrong that they've done, and, and that's the least that we can do. No matter what issue we have, no matter what the hurt, no matter um, what pain we have from a, from a broken ankle, you know, we got to be kind. We got to forgive others, um, and, and that kindness drives that forgiveness. Um, next, in 1 Corinthians 13, we see uh, charity, charity envieth not. Love isn't envious. You know, Paul, again, in this book, is hammering back at the actions of the people at Corinth. Um, in verse, or I'm sorry, in chapter 3 in this book, verses 3 and 4, it says, for ye, are, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? You know, for the church, envy and strife were pervasive. Believers were envious of other believers. They fought over who was more spiritual. They argued whether they were Paul or Apollos, which one was better. You know, Paul challenges them, you know, we see in verse 31 of, of chapter 12, to, to that more excellent way. You know, it's, it's one thing for us to suffer along with uh, others who are suffering, but it's an entirely different thing to ask to rejoice when someone receives something that I don't. And that's exactly what's being instructed here. You know, others say, oh, I wish I had that, or I wish I was as talented as so-and-so, or, you know, that guy that got the job, even though, I, you know, I know I was more qualified. You know, a person who loves God as God commands doesn't do that kind of stuff. He doesn't envy. He sees that as, um, you know, he, he rejoices with that person. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, next, Paul says, uh, Paul says, charity vaunteth not itself. You know, what this means is love is not boastful. Um, simply put, proper love doesn't think highly of itself. Um, you know, we don't have time to turn to, to all the, 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 the uh, verses, but Matthew 23, 11 and 12, um, 1 Peter 5, 5 and 7, uh, James 4, 6, that's, that's probably uh, my favorite one, but um, over and over and over in Scripture, um, James 4, 6 says, uh, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Over and over in Scripture, it commands believers to humble themselves. Proper love doesn't boast about how good they are. You know, the reason behind this, though, is the boaster isn't a man that does good for the sake of good, you know, to boast of my talents doesn't get them to, the, to, to employ them to a, the advantage of others. One who loves as, as God directs in, in 1 Corinthians, um, 
it'll produce a state of mind that's kind of the opposite of that disposition. Um, no man with regard for others is, is going to boast about his, other, his own qualities over that other. Uh, you know, a preacher once commented to his wife, Honey, there are uh, only two good preachers in this country. The wife simply replied, There's one less than you think, dear. There's one less than you think. Um, <clears throat> the next thing that, that love does not do, it is not puffed up. Charity is not puffed up. You know, this is the seventh time this word translated puffed up is used in the Bible. The first six are right here in 1 Corinthians. Six times the church is being charged with being puffed up. Um, think of this word. It's, it's kind of like you think of a rooster, and they, you know, puff out their chest and get their feathers all all puffed out, and, and it makes himself appear bigger, appear better than he, uh, fancier than he actually is. The church at Corinth, the members in the church were, were, were puffed up with this great knowledge that they thought they had. Um, chapter 8, verse 1 says, we know, we, have, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Um, <clears throat> you know, charity, a more love, it doesn't have a need to remind others of where I went to school or how many initials are after my name. Charity edifieth. Charity doesn't, doesn't puff up. Um, next, we see that uh, charity uh, doth not behave itself unseemly. You know, oftentimes this was used with certain overtones, which were entirely appropriate for the church at Corinth. This can actually be taken a step further. Uh, one who others properly, <clears throat> shouldn't ever bring disgrace to his Savior, his church, or his family. But this isn't only in actions, it also extends to, to our words, what we say. Uh, one writer wrote about this phrase and said, love never acts out of its place or character, observes due decorum and good manners, is never rude, bearish, or brutish. Um, loving others as God commands should be above reproach, a proper love should be above question. <clears throat> um, next we see love uh, seeketh not her own. Charity seeketh. With uh, me back to uh, chapter 10, just a couple, back a couple chapters. Um, and verse 33, chapter 10, verse 33 says, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. So earlier in this chapter, Paul is talking about having the freedom to do certain things, but Paul looks at the bigger picture. He looks at what are my actions going to do to either hurt or to help others? You know, he may have had the freedom to do things, but loving people as God commands seeks to build them up, not build myself up. Um, one who loves properly's life should really be consumed with the testimony of Christ, not of me. It's not about me. And that's really what this says, love does not seek her own, really says. Um, that's really what, what <clears throat> that says. You know, a loving person actually neglects their own private advantage, but rather focuses on the advantage of others. Um, there's a, a, a man by the name of John Croyle, uh, he played for the uh, University of Alabama for Bear Bryant uh, for three, on three SEC championship teams in the 70s. 
he was a, a tougher than leather defensive end. He, uh, but he did something a little, you wouldn't see a lot nowadays. He um, gave up his football career. He, uh, when he graduated college, he uh, had a chance to go to the NFL, but he decided not to. He, um, rather, he founded Big Oak Ranch in northeastern Alabama for uh, kids, boys, that no one else wanted to give a second chance to. Uh, one of the district judges in Etowah County said this of, uh, of uh, Croyer, said, if everybody had as much interest in their own children as John Croyle does in any kid, we wouldn't have delinquency in this country. It's that simple. So here's a guy that could have made money in professional football, but he gave it up to give him a second chance at life. You know, th that in itself is what proper love looks like. You know, it forgoes whatever gain I could have, whatever gain an individual can have, and looks at what good I can give to others. Um, next, in chapter 13, we see that uh, charity is not easily, uh, sorry, is not easily provoked. So love is not easily provoked. You know, this, this word is really interesting. In the Greek, it means to exasperate. You know, Paul isn't saying being provoked. Uh, or the book of Acts actually uses the same word to describe Paul's own actions uh, in response to what's going on at Athens. 17.16 says, Now Paul waited for them at Athens, his stirred in them when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Um, it's not translated provoked there, but it's translated stirred. Provoked is entirely acceptable and, and when it's against sin or against wrong. You know, Christ throwing out the money changers at the temple is a, a, an example of where being, prov uh, being provoked would be an acceptable and, and a right response. But what Paul is teaching here, though, is to, to really kind of have a long fuse. Um, be a person that it takes a lot to get under your skin, no matter who's provoking you. Be a person who, you know, you're not prone to violent outbursts or anger. Um, it's not really that far removed from suffering long. Earlier in, the, in uh, uh, verse 4, uh, but think of it this way. Long suffering is kind of the, the length of the dirt endurance. This is the self-restraint to practice that endurance. Um, Flip back with me to, to, to Proverbs. Um, we're going, going Old Testament. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 29. <clears throat> Proverbs 14, 29 says, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. So, you know, not only do we demonstrate godly love when we're not easily provoked to anger or to wrath, but we show great understanding according to Proverbs. So in Christ, when you grow in love, you know, you, you kind of realize that God's giving you that victory over, over anger. Um, next, we see that uh, uh, charity thinketh no evil. Love doesn't think evil. So um, this one gives the idea of a man that devises ways to get revenge when he is wronged. Um, Romans 4 actually has the, exact, the same Greek word um, in verse 7 and 8, saying, or, I'm sorry, saying, blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. 
I know. Um, thinketh there. But the Greek word in Romans is actually translated imputed. So thinketh, how it's translated in, in 1 Corinthians is thinketh, is, is the same word as, as God uses in Romans, imputed. It gives that thought that we shouldn't devise evil to another's record. You know, kind of in the same way God doesn't impute sin to our record. You know, our, our sin gets, gets forgotten. Um, the same way we shouldn't think that evil someone who's done us wrong and then add that to their record for, for future use. Um, so much in the same way, you know, God doesn't impute sin to us for, for future judgment. We shouldn't do that. If somebody does wrong to me, I shouldn't think, oh, now I can get them back in the future. That's, that's not what loving as God commands does. Um, next we see love rejoiceth, rejoiceth not in iniquity. Um, this is along the same lines as, as kind of long-suffering, uh, why Paul wrote this in. Back in 1 Corinthians 6, we saw they go to, you know, other believers go to pagan court with believers, and, and then being delighted when they won, Paul saw the testimony of Christ lost in that, though. You know, on top of that, Paul saw the Corinthian church rejoicing in what we would consider the vices of others. You know, we should never find pleasure in when we hear of others committing some sin or having it proved they committed it, I know we don't do that, but let me submit this. How many times do we rejoice when an enemy or a persecutor or a slanderer, somebody who's done us wrong, has committed something and then gets caught? Remember, loving man as God commands isn't limited to those we find it easy to love. Um, Matthew 5, 44 says, Matthew 5, verse 44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despite you and persecute you. Bless them? Really? Do we, do we pray that God will bless our enemies? Do we pray that God will change them? Do we pray for their salvation and that they'll turn back or, you know, or they turn back to God? Or do we really hope in our hearts that God will give them what they deserve, that God will rain judgment down? You know, I always, I always try, to, try to remember if everyone got what they deserve, I know where I'd be spending eternity. You know, it's not, or it's, it's human nature to want to rejoice when bad things happen to, to, to those that have done us wrong. But God in 1 Corinthians is commanding us not to do that. God's command is actually the opposite of it. You know, we need to love our enemies. We need to speak well of them. We need to do good to those that, that hate us. We need to pray for those that threaten, that persecute, that falsely accuse us. Next, God says, but rejoiceth, or uh, the, the verse says, but rejoiceth in the truth. Well, while this command, the previously it, re, it commanded against rejoicing in iniquity, this is the direct opposite. And this should be the common theme that unites the New Testament church. You know, we should rejoice together in all truth. Um, whether that means rejoicing in the scriptures or rejoicing when others do well, um, you know, I, I 
one thing I, I think of when I rejoicing in the truth is um, when, we, when, when we lost both of our boys, um, the love that was shown to us um, it, it, it was unreal. Um, everyone shared in our grief, um, which showed kindness. But, you know, they also rejoiced, in us, rejoiced with us in the truth that we will see our boys again. Um, you know, we should always rejoice when when we can come to church, when we can hear from God's word, when we can spend time with other believers. Um, that's, that's rejoicing for me. Um, I have the last verse, but I think, well, let's, let's, let's blow through these. I think we can get them through quick. So let's, uh, let's look at beareth all things. So, the verb beareth, because they're all really interconnected. These next four, they're all really semi-related. Um, the word all in this verse, in verse 7, says, literally means the whole, always. It can, this, these four commands apply all the time. No stopping, no limits. Love, charity, beareth all things. So this word means to cover, to hide. You know, that being the case, this really means that love, as God commands it, is disposed to hide or conceal the faults and imperfections of others. You know, we should look past what we see or what we consider as imperfections um, willingly, or we should bear with them patiently, you know, instead of judging others and seeing the mistakes or the errors or what they do wrong, we really should look to the blessings and the good that they bring. Um, you know, it, um, I've, I've heard it said this way, think of a, a, a cake, you know, when you frost that cake, you really kind of hide some blemishes with that frosting, right? You know, the imperfections and they bake or whatever it is, and then you frost it and it looks perfect. This is what we should be doing with other, you know, with other, other men is really looking past those minor imperfections, those minor faults, and, and looking to the, the good in them. Um, next, we see love believeth all, or charity believeth all things. Simply put, love never loses faith. First um, Corinthians, uh, earlier in the book, uh, ver, uh, sorry, chapter one, verse ten, says, "Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye perfectly join together in the same mind and the same judgment." You know, Paul demonstrates in this verse the confidence that he had for this church. He truly believed that they would conquer their divisions and strife. Having love for men takes the best and kindest views of those men as long as it's possible to do so. Um, you know, a lot of times we have that, that attitude of the cynic, the pessimist, and we'll paint men in kind of their darkest colors, making, making the worst of everything. But a loving attitude really flips that on its head. You know, we, a loving attitude should see the good. It's apt to make the best of everything. And, and, uh, and it's known to stretch its faith in others far beyond that, that seems reasonable. Uh, next, we see that, that uh, love hopes all things, hopeth all things. God tells us if we're loving properly, we hope all things. You know, how often do we lose sight of the truth that hope is more than just 
happy temperament, a cheerful temperament. Hope is so much more. Um, in 1 Corinthians, Paul expressed a hope that the church would make it to the finish line. The hope he had for the church, the same hope that we read about, um, I'll not turn to him, but Romans 8, 24 and 25 and Hebrews 1, 11, or I'm sorry, 11, 1. It's not an, oh, I hope this, but rather I expect this. I'm confident in this. Because of that hope, we should demonstrate that same hope. The hope we have in Christ, we should demonstrate that same hope to others. And then finally, love endureth all things. Um, this sums up, uh, first, 2 Corinthians, again, I, I won't turn to, well, actually, no, I won't turn to it. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul goes through a list of things that, that had happened to him, uh, being beaten, being uh, jailed at sea, um, you know, in, in, the, in, the, uh, uh, in the sea a, a day and night. And, and, you know, he goes through a list of things that, sums up the love and endurance that Paul showed for others. But, you know, there's a, a greater example, um, you know, Mark, Mark 15, um, chapter 16, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 15, verse 16, says, um, and, and, you know, we, we know this one, but um, Mark chapter 15, verse 16 says, uh, and the soldiers... And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band, and they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns on his head and put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail, the king of the Jews. And they smote him upon the head with a reed, and they did spit upon him, and bowing their knees, uh, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. You know, Jesus of Nazareth left his heavenly throne to endure what we read in Mark chapter 15, scourging, spit, mockery, beating, bruising, you know, the nails driven through his hands and feet, but he never uttered one word. At any point, Christ could have called down that army of angels to stop what was happening, but he didn't. Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews said, for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. So no matter what circumstance, no matter what the pain, love endures. That's why Christ endured. It was love. Um, I'll close with this. A Jewish woman, uh, she was fleeing the Jews in World War II. On the verge of being caught, she came to the home of a French widow who said, flee to a new place. The Jewish woman replied, it's no use. They'll find me anyway. They're so close behind. The widow said, yes, they will find someone here, but it's time for you to leave. Go with these people to safety. I will take your identification and wait here. The Jewish woman then understood the plan. The Gestapo would find the Christian widow and think she was the Jew. The Hebrew woman in an interview later said, I asked her why she was doing this. And the woman responded, it's the least I can do. Christ has already done that for me and so much more. The widow was caught, was imprisoned in the Jewish woman's place, but it allowed the Jewish woman time to escape. So the compassion that we see, the French woman, of the French woman, she lost her life, but it led to the conversion of the Jewish woman. That was chapter, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 personified. That was the more excellent way. So I just encourage you, follow these verses. Love mankind as God has us love mankind. Grace, Heavenly Father, thank you for, uh, again, this day. Thank you for the time in your word. Uh, Lord, just... Um, Help us to, to love man. Help us to love uh, those that we find easy to love, those that we find.
not so easy to love. Lord, just uh, help us to uh, um, take the examples that we see in Scripture of Paul, of, of Christ, and just apply those to our life and in how we uh, properly love mankind, Lord. Give us uh, safety as we travel and, a, and a, uh, bring us back this week in, in your name. Thank you for uh, bearing with me for a couple more minutes.